thousand feet up, breaking all the lights on the doors. And I ain't seen no ceilings. We came in through the top floor. Three oars rip right round your jugular. Three oars rip right round your jugular. Three oars rip right. You're listening to Feminist Killjoys, Ph.D., in our feminism, pop culture, and politics, as discussed by two professional killjoys. I'm Rachel. And I'm Melody. And today we'll be talking with Black Witch, who will kick off our October series about witches and witch practices. And we are really excited to share the interview with you. But first, Melody, where can our listeners find us on the internet? In select places. You should be already subscribed to us on a podcast application of your choice. Tell your friend about it as well. You get extra FKJ points if you leave us a review on iTunes. On the social media tip, you can follow us on the Gram, Twitter, and FB. We have a Facebook page that you can just like for episode updates, or you can join our closed community page, which is Feminist Killjoys Community Dash WTF Power. We also have a reading group on Facebook, which you can find. We're reading Emergent Strategy, in the next couple weeks still. And then on the FI, we have a Feminist Killjoys PhD mixtape. And if you want to support feminist media makers, you can always leave us a one-time donation on our website, which is feministkilljoyspodcast.com. Or you can become one of our many generous micro monthly donators, also known as Patreons. If you support us $1 or more, you get access to our Killjoy Review newsletter, which comes out pretty much every week. And if you support us at the $5 amount or more, then you also get access to our bonus episodes. And of course, you can always email us with varying degrees of response times at fkj.phd at gmail.com. How are you, Rachel? Thank you. I did a very good job. You did do a very good job. Uh, I am okay. I am okay. Uh, I'm very grateful and glad that it is officially autumn. The weather is chilly. The leaves are turning beautiful colors. So I'm just being my normal autumnal basic self, which happens every fall. Yeah, so that's all good. Uh, It's I've been very busy, which is good. Uh, Busy with some new work stuff and lots and lots of yoga teaching. And I'm traveling this week for a wedding. So really super overwhelming week, but but it's good. Uh, what about you? You you were also traveling. I was also traveling and I feel weird complaining about being tired because it was a it was a traveling of my choice. We watched the NBA finals in or the dub the WNBA finals in LA and the Sparks could have won the championship, but the Lynx forced a game five. Don't worry about it if you're not into sports. <laughs> but the final game is this week on a Wednesday. And if the Lynx win, then they win the championship for 2017. And so I had a good time exploring LA this past weekend. And I f- took my first ever red eye, mm. which is no joke. Yeah. Shout out to Delta for having those neon lights on right <laughs> up until we had to take off. Yeah. Thank you very much. And <laughs> yeah, so whatever. But that's like totally first world problems on my end. But yeah, everything is good. I mean, obviously, the news is getting a little much um, in terms of like yeah. anxiety. I was getting a little, you know, I'm crabby today somewhat because of the tiredness, but also the news tends to impact me as well. So just trying to remember all my tools in my toolbox that I can use when the news becomes overwhelming. Yeah, definitely. So we, uh, 
we haven't really had a chance to talk about current events on the show in quite a while because we've had so many interviews, um, which has been great about the interviews have been great. Uh, we did just record a bonus up where we talk about some current events, although the stuff in Las Vegas just happened today. So we haven't talked about it and, and we, we won't get into it today. But obviously our thoughts uh, are with all of those who are uh, impacted, which is you know, obviously most people, but as particularly those personally impacted, you know, there's, there's so much to say in terms of, uh, analysis, but I think day one, it's, yeah, it's just coping. Like, how do you get through the day sort of emotionally, mentally, physically? So that's, that's all we'll say about that today, but it's, it's on our hearts, of course. So in a non-transition, would you like to transition us back (laughs) to Black Witch and tell us a little bit about her? And our interview? Yeah, absolutely. So Black Witch originally started on Afropunk back in 2010 uh, before becoming its own website in 2012. And Black Witch lives in her native hometown of Baltimore, Maryland. And besides blogging, she likes to read comics and make things such as bookbinding and computer projects and knitting. And we had a really good and insightful and challenging conversation with her. And, and we were definitely very grateful for for her time and her insights and her perspectives and I think that folks will have a lot to learn about which practices and the ones that, that she particularly follows and, and adheres to, and, and also um, a bit about racism and paganism and mental health and spells and magic. And it was a good conversation. So will you take us there? I would love to. So thank you again, Black Witch, for joining us. We are very, very appreciative of your time. And we want to jump in right away and just sort of know the the story of how you became interested in paganism in the first place. I pretty much became interested in paganism. I was originally raised in a Christian household, but I actually uh, noticed that I did not really seem to connect very much with Christianity. Then there's the fact that I grew up with a lot of metaphysical experiences in my life, like seeing spirits and things of that nature, and it just wasn't a right fit. I also, it's kind of funny, but I also was and still I'm a pretty big fan of a band called P.O.D. And I just always noticed how happy they were in their faith. So it made me look even deeper into Christianity until it just dawned on me that it was not the right fit for me. I did was not going to be happy the same way they were. So I looked into seeing different faiths and different things of that nature. So I noticed, hey, I'm actually happier in paganism. I've researched all these different faiths and stuff. It took about like three or so years to figure out where I really fell. But I noticed that just paganism was just what it worked for me. So I became, so I could just find that type of happiness and faith that I saw in others. You are presented multiple places online and you can definitely shout out the ones that you would love our listeners to check out. So you have like a Tumblr site and then you have Ask a Black Witch. Like what is the, what is the goals of those various um, online media sites? Well, for one, it's just that I really want to be able to reach out to as many people as possible. Not everybody uses blogging and things of that nature. That and also I started my Tumblr once I was starting to get like really creepy messages online. And there's like, I want to get to know you. So it's like, I don't want to talk to you. So I'll create a Tumblr so I can direct you mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have asked Black Witch 
because I always, people would always ask me questions and I figured, why don't I just dedicate a section of the month to that instead of just getting the questions as is. Sometimes the questions can be thought provoking, but unfortunately a good chunk of them are not very thought provoking. Mm -hmm. But I always tell my readers, you know, good questions are appreciated, bad questions are eviscerated. And I keep pretty true to that. You know, I, I feel like people get people who know how to like hold their tongue before asking questions uh, can sort of learn from what you post if they want. I'm to. a big fan of research. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mentioned that also that Black Witch is primarily like for Black pagans because back in 2010, there was pretty much nothing for like Black pagans at all. Like there was tons of pagan sites like, you know, pagan.about.com, pagan.com and everything, but they're extremely, extremely white. And if you're Black, that's not going to speak to you at all. And I never connected with any of those blogs. So that's why when Afropunk is saying, hey, we need new writers, and I submitted mine in, and I got picked, and I was like, okay, it'll be about Black paganism. And when I created my own website, that's what it was strictly for. Like, just so Black pagans had a, something they could read themselves. I'm really glad that now it's like I'm seeing a lot more Black pagan sites. There's even like a Black witch convention, like for Black uh, women who practice witchcraft and okay. metaphysics that's in Baltimore City. And so, and that's called like Daughters of the Moon. It's going to be in the second year. So I'm very happy that things are a bit different from what it used to be. But that's part of why I had created Black Witch. Some of the Ask a Black Witch, you're definitely getting at the point of like free labor that you don't, you're like, that you're not going to just give over free labor. And I think that's really important for people to remind others about because I think a lot of times people just think that you're going to give them endless amounts of time so they can learn. And you rightfully call a lot of people out. So I just, I appreciate that. I appreciate that line. I think it's because also in like paganism, unfortunately, we run into a lot of dabblers, people who, you know, they've seen Harry Potter or they watched the craft way too many times and they're thinking, oh, I can talk to her. They kind of, I always joke like you confuse me for a genie. I'm a witch, not a genie. (laughs) And it's just that if you have your own problems, you have to sort that out yourself. It's not my job to bail you out of issues you made for yourself. It's one thing if like a pagan practitioner is going, hey, I want to use Bailey's, but I don't know, but I don't have any. Is there any alternatives and stuff? Because this is what I want to do. That's helpful because it shows that they're already in the craft and they're already in the Mm -hmm. practice. Another one, they're going, oh, well, I don't like somebody. Can you make them go away? (laughs) That's not my problem. (laughs) You know, that's not my problem. Well, that touches on a couple things. I think Melody and I have thought about that a lot because we kind of started thinking we would be like a 101, like sort of intersectional feminist, you know, teaching tool. And we totally aren't really actually that. We actually are kind of like above 101. Like people would listen to the podcast and be turned off if they weren't already um, invested in a particular type of like liberation politics. But um, but we we struggled with that a little bit. But but yeah, I mean, I think it it does sort of get to the point of like, well, if if this is your entry point, like maybe I'm maybe that's not what this space is for. But then the second thing you were saying about the I don't you know, I like somebody or I don't like somebody that reminds me of some of the things you've written about in terms of spells and a lot of people coming to you to request love spells. And so first, if you just want to talk about spells in general, but also if you want to talk about ethics of love. Pretty much. I mean, as a person who does practice magic, yes, I do engage in spell work, but I always see it as like a more personal thing for me. So I won't always be like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this. That's why nobody's going to ever see me on Tumblr or, or like Twitter going, oh, I just cast a spell because that's 
really kind of weird in my eyes. That's like me. That's like a Christian going, oh, I just went to the confessional. I just talked about this at church and stuff. It's like that's a personal practice, personal private practice. Mm. And it's just it's one thing when I don't mind helping other people who are already on who are already doing it and already have spent a lot of time in it. It's another when they're just coming out of the woodworks because all they know are are movies and TV shows. Mm. And so because there's a lot of research, a lot of reading, which I noticed the second you introduce a book, they go, oh, wait, there's education in this. Yes, there is. Mm-hmm. And it's just that also it's, I get a lot of spell requests, even though I say consistently on the website, I don't do spell requests. I'll make fun of you most likely then actually do what you ask. Mm. And I'll then just post it for the world to see. But pretty much it's just that, especially when it comes to like love spells, especially I don't really engage in them. And that's a very sticky topic in paganism because you have general ones where it's like, I just want to have a date like for Friday night or for whatever (laughs) event that's perfectly general. You're not impinging on anybody's particular will and stuff. But when you, when free will starts to become restricted, that's a little different and that becomes more of an abusive tinge to it. And it's just because also you make, I usually whenever they go, Oh, I want this person to come back to me. It's like, well, I can see why they left. Mm. And it's just if you could not fix the relationship through a mundane fashion, through a regular normal person fashion, like talking or trying to communicate or just knowing that, you know what, this relationship is just not going to work, then magic is not going to help you. It's no different than casting an unethical love spell that controls somebody. It's no different than going to their house with a gun and saying we're going to be together no matter what. Mm-hmm. And it still is a form of controlling somebody. It still is abuse. And most people who are doing it are usually dabblers. So they don't even know what they're doing and usually wind up like these spells usually have pretty bad endings to them. Like the person they cast it on becomes a or, or they wind up with mm-hmm. like some disease or something terrible usually seems to happen, I notice. And when they come to me, I've had folks like that who came to me and was like, oh, I cast a spell or I paid somebody to do it and I want to force somebody into a relationship that they didn't want to be in and now they're stalking me. And I was like, well, cause meet effect. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I was sitting here going, what do you want me to do? This is like you putting, this is like you putting your hand in the fire and complaining to me that it, you, you're burned pretty badly. I was like, deal with it. You got what you wanted. You wanted them to never leave you alone. Now they'll never leave you alone. Have fun. And that's pretty much usually stops it right there. <laughs> yeah, that seems like that question of free will is really people have confusion over that when it comes to things in relation to magic. So I think that yeah is an important point. If it doesn't translate well into the mundane world, then it, you shouldn't do it in a magical world. Right, right. Just speaks also to the power of spells that <laughs> it's, it's not anything to mess around with. But I get a lot of folks who go like, oh, I've been on the internet and I found a spell. And it's like, there's no research. It's mm. like, it's one thing, most people who practice in paganism and actually like, this is their actual live, like lifestyle practices and da, 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 da. They actually did their research. Usually most people, they go to some really super shady website that has no, a bunch of nonsense on it. And they go, oh, I got a spell from that. It's like, first of all, it's not a spell. And because... Real life is not Harry Potter, unfortunately. They have to understand that there's there's a reason why people do these the, the candles and the oils and like there's a bunch of history behind it and a bunch mm-hmm. of research and knowledge behind it, you know. And but they think it's just bibbity bobbity boo and genie comes out, right. but that's not how it works. So that's usually what it is. They're like, oh yeah, I did this spell, and if I say I don't want to do it, they'll be like, oh well, this stuff is fake. It's like. I don't care if you think it's fake or not, 
but I'm going to make fun of you for coming to me with this question. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So uh, another question I had was actually about, it's kind of related to people's belief in paganism or any other kind of uh, spiritual practice is that how spirituality and mental health can be intertwined. And um, in my reading about of paganism and just general witchy stuff, and I definitely like would be considered a dabbler at this point, I'm just very curious about it all. I have noticed how much focus is on mental health and, and centering yourself and working on, on yourself for the future and processing the past. And so I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about how, you know, mental health and paganism intersect for you. I think they intersect quite a bit for me. I've written uh, several times on my blog about mental health Mm -hmm. as a topic. I've done the uh, mental health in the black community. I've also done like my month long series, uh, same situations, different faces, which is about having disassociative identity disorder, which is a disorder I do have as well. And I always like getting questions from folks who do have disorders and want to get into paganism because they're like, how do I start? And I usually tell them, learn everything you can about your disorder so you can just find out where it's your disorders begin and where whatever you're doing in the occult begins, where one part ends and the other begins. Because depending on where you go in paganism or occultism, if you do not have a good handle on things, it's easy to confuse one for the other. And that's not good. You don't want somebody who turns out they have psychosis, but they're going, oh, I'm hearing voices and they're telling me to do bad things. It's like, wait, that doesn't sound like a spirit interacting with you. Or if somebody's going, wow, I can interact with entities and I have clairvoyance, it's it's better they kind of learn where everything is and just, again, research, 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 learn their disorder so they know what is going on in their brains, learn everything about what they are researching in paganism or in occultism so they know what is what and which is which. So that way, it's not going to make it a perfect thing, but it gives you a better handle on things so you don't feel like you're just going mad sometimes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's what I always suggest to people. Learn everything about your disorder, how it works, how it functions, and so on and so forth, and learn everything you need to know before you get into the paganism part. So that way you know, okay, this isn't my, this isn't some magical thing happening. I just have an anxiety disorder Mm. or, Oh, well, it's not somebody possessing me. I just have very bad depression, you know, and it does help you to kind of focus on yourself and notice yourself and things of that nature. Like one thing I like about paganism is that you got to do your own legwork. You can't just ask for some deity to help you out and they're just going to do exactly that. Um, And that, you know, in that you kind of learn yourself better, get to know yourself better. And it really helps. And not only that, but also sometimes with paganism and accent paganism, like even divination can sometimes help. I didn't get my therapist until I actually did like divination because I was at a crossroads and I was thinking, okay, I'm not doing too hot and I need some guidance. And so it was just my cards kind of basically was going is you need to kind of talk about it as long as you try to BS this whole situation and not actually get actual help. You're pretty much going to be stuck. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, yeah, that sounds about right. And so that's one way it can help. But what I always tell folks is to kind of really learn about their disorder and to get a hand of it and stuff and learn the more natural ways on how to manage it, if at all possible. If they need medicine, then go get it. Um, but if they can learn also other things to help them calm down and help their disorders, definitely go get it before you go full deep into paganism itself. So that way nothing gets really confused. 
the similarities between therapy and things like I'm just thinking about the the amount of self-reflection that's required in therapy to me feels very similar to the self-reflection that's required when you're looking at a tarot card and trying to figure out what this means in your life. Like it's not like the tarot card is saying this magic thing about what it means to you. You have to make like you said, you have to do the legwork and figure out how that's resonating in your experience. Like what is this what is this actually symbolizing in my life right now? which, for, you know, makes you dig deep in the same way that a therapist asking you several questions about your childhood or something might. Um, and similarly, astrology, which we definitely wanted to get to uh, with you as well, um, I think does a similar thing. It's a lot of like self-reflection, like what does it mean that for my rising sign that, that this is, you know, that this is happening or whatever. So um, could you talk to us a little bit about astrology? What are your sign, you know, your the, the signs you feel are most important in your chart. And I know you do, you still do natal chart readings. Is that right? Yep. I yep. did have a opening for a little while, but also it's been a while, but I usually try to do them around uh, October for Samhain pickers, which I usually would have a give of the way where I do divination for like three people. Cool. And though so I'll probably be starting that up since October's next month. Um, but pretty much with astrology, just like any other form of divination, it's a reflection of what's going on. It's not, the is just a reflect. It's like a mirror. It's already was there. It's just you needed something to help you see it. Mm-hmm. And it's just because I know some folks use by like, plain intuition, but other folks use crystals, scrying, and things of that nature. Different divination things are different, but they're all mirrors to help you look at yourself. For astrology, I mean, I did my own nail chart. So, of course, my sun is in Cancer, my moon is in Virgo, and I I think it's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Like, my rising sign is also, I believe, is in Virgo as well. And also, I think I have, like, three planets that are in Cancer, uh, Mercury, Mars, mm-hmm. but my Jupiter is in Aries, which I thought was really funny because I was thinking, like, wait, I'm not like this. Because having a Jupiter Aries, you know, which varies on whatever aspects you have, which is how planets talk to each other through the aspects, is that, you know, I can steamroll things sometimes because it's a planet of expansion being in Aries, which is also kind of very bullheaded sometimes, mm-hmm. very much a ram. And I'm sitting here going, it's like, oh, I'm not like that. And a lot of my friends are going, yeah, no, you're, you, you will. <laughs> it's like you have to, you pretty much tell people to either step up or step aside. And if they step up, they're getting ran over. And it's like, <laughs> I don't do that very much. And there's in here, it's like, no, we can think of several times <laughs> where you did exactly that. But it's just that I think it's interesting with needle chart because you're more than your sun sign. I've written that on Black Witch a number of times. You're more than mm-hmm. your sun sign because I've had right. people who go, oh, I'm this XYZ sign, but I am so not whatever the sign told me I'm. I do not like children. I'm a cancer in three planets. I hate children. <laughs> I love animals, but if you leave me with your child, I'm going to not want to be around it. And so it just varies up also because with nail charts, it can be a good blueprint of who you are as a person. Also, how you handle things, how you handle concepts and how you handle problems. It gives a good blueprint of who you are. Why? How do you comp- communicate the way you do? What are the things that are most likely to impact your life? Things of that nature. You know, what careers work best for you? How do you handle relationships? How are you with communication? Are you likely to have any disorders or any diseases or anything of that nature throughout your life? You know, astrology, nail charts pretty much are very useful because it's funny because I'm an intermediate astrologer, but I hate 
like I hate uh, horoscopes. If someone gives me a mm. horoscope, I bristle at it because I'm going, that's like saying, oh, your favorite color is blue, so a bird's going to land on your car this morning and stuff. Whereas with a natal chart, it gives a lot more in-depth look at your life. Because when I do natal chart write-ups, like I think a small one is like a 15-pager. Mm-hmm. Like a really in-depth one is... 60 to 90 pages like wow. I have and that's part of one reason why my tail charts when I would do them for sale are pretty pricey because I have right. to sit there with two three books and as like two three books on astrology a book on psychology to put everything together and figure out how to say it in a way that the person who's going to receive it will understand what they're hearing right and because nobody's going to want to hear like oh well your Venus is in conjunction with your moon and da 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 da, da. It, it, people will not understand that they may yeah. understand better though and, oh you might not have a good relationship with your mom and partially you tend to have trust issues which you should work on you know so on and so forth like I said it's the blueprint of your life right and they're yeah. not easy to do I already remember uh, talking with one person on Twitter who was like, I'm getting into nail charts. And I was like, you want help? And she's like, no, I'm good. And then like five days later, she's like, I need help. <laughs> I was like, wow, you have a PhD in psychology? And you know, this is going to be fantastic. Because I've done this for years. And I've done it on a lot, a lot of people and stuff. And actually, psychology is one of the things that I'm pretty good at. And I nearly pursued as a profession. Um, but it's just I have a cinch for it so I can put it all together because it's a lot. It's very difficult to kind of explain it to explain somebody's head to themselves. You know, there's things about ourselves that we like about ourselves and we like the world to know. And then there's things about ourselves that are very true about ourselves, but we do not want to admit we do. Mm-hmm. And whenever I would do especially natal charts or palmistry and stuff, I go straight for the jugular. <laughs> I've been told it's just I don't try to pad you up, I will tell you like, yeah, you're a good person, you're very functional, but you can be a douchebag, and you're this, that, and the third, and stuff. I don't know how many times, especially folks who would just sit down and just be like, I don't believe in this stuff, read my palm, and it's like, cool. And I would literally bring up the stuff from my childhood, and they would be running out of the room crying. <laughs> like, I actually was had was told to like, not do divination at one point, because they were sitting here, it's like, they had a box of clean, I had a box of Kleenex on my table when I was doing divination days for, uh, a group I was with and they were sitting here going yeah you have allergies I was like no this is for the people who sit at my table (laughs) (laughs) but it works I mean I go for factuality I gassing somebody's head up is easy I can do that without knowing anything about someone but giving Mm -hmm. them actual information they can use whether they like it or not you know I can it's it's a lot better granted they'll be upset at me because they're like why did you tell me it's like well you asked and I answered right right and you said you didn't yeah. believe in this stuff, so there you go. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> One of our last questions has to do with general issues around cultural appropriation and racism that's in the pagan community, which you referenced earlier with a lot of the spaces created online being very white driven. I'm very curious about this because um, on a previous episode, I actually asked Rachel, like, What's up with the, like, there's got to be some cultural appropriation going on with some of this witchy stuff that's gotten super popular. And so I would just be really interested to hear your perspective on it, um, both cultural appropriation in general and the racism that's kind of embedded in the paganism um, here in the United States. I mean, there's cultural appropriation all over paganism. First of all, the face of paganism is very white, but the practices are not. You got smudging, which is just being appropriated. You have the ideas about chakras, karma, mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff is like 
uh, puppets and you have different different ideals where it's like it comes from other cultures and it's never represented. You have bone divination, you have people going, oh, well, I'm going to use all these Buddhist ideas, which would really kind of irritate me because it's like you're not from these cultures and you prop it's just it's orientalism it's usually a practice mm-hmm. of orientalism or anti-blackness mm-hmm. and i mean i understand that you know that paganism how it kind of got its grips was through the psychedelic periods of 1960s which basically was just you know a bunch of white folks just hijacking parts of hinduism hijacking parts of buddhism mm-hmm. you know ripping out all the parts that didn't mean anything to them and just putting their own very very white spin on it and it's just that, you know, it's very unfair when you see people, it's like, oh, this is Yamea, and Yamea is white. It, she's an African goddess. She's not white. She's not right. supposed to be white and never should be. It's also mm-hmm. offensive when you hear them going, oh, yeah, I pray to African deities. And it's like, why would they interact with you? You're mm-hmm. the background mm-hmm. of the oppressor, right. you know, and it's just that. It's very, it's all over paganism. It happens so, 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 so often. But unfortunately, a lot of pagans, especially white pagans, do not like to admit to it and say, because they go, oh, we're very open-minded. We're not like everybody else. And Mm. it's like, you're just like everybody else. Mm. When you have grease grease bags in your store, hiked up to $20, but you'll follow around any black person in your store and your store is all white, then that's telling me that you're really not in it for the faith. You're just in it because it's just something fun to do. You know, you're tired of your regular life. You're tired of being Christian. You just, you know, you just want more pop in your life. You want more pizzazz and it's exotic, you know, dancing around with feathers and war bonnets and, you know, shaking carambas and it seems like everything they just take (laughs) like Mm -hmm. in beads, they dance with beads and everything. It's like, you can see what cultures they call from and what they're not even calling. They're just stealing from it. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're sitting here doing the drum worship, I can understand if it was more Irish and stuff, but it's not. It's usually very similar to practices, cultural practices that are in Africa, cultural practices in the Caribbeans, in the South Americas and everything. And not like that, but also for all the claim of we're very open-minded how come it can't translate into your practice or the people you surround yourself? If everything, if you know, I've gone to many pagan gatherings and it's basically just a couple iron crosses away from looking like a clan gathering. Mm-hmm. And the, the people think, oh, well, we're not like them because we're pagans. No, you believe the same thing they do. You just put like patchouli oil on the same bullshit. And it's just that it's very, very, dis- it's very disingenuous. It's very disrespectful. And also it's just that when people, when white pagans are called out on it, it's, they start to go, oh, well, we didn't mean it that way. It, intention doesn't matter. I mean, if a Christian person sits here and starts calling you a devil worshiper and trying to burn down your house, <laughs> like they can play the same card too. I didn't mean right. it that way. You know, it's just, I love God a lot. Or they'll go, oh, it's divisive. And the only divisive thing is their dedication to keeping it going. You know, they use, ah, they use, you know, African-American vernacular, basically just black lingo and it's just it's like that's disrespectful they'll use you know asian ideas it doesn't even matter what culture it comes from it could be a bit of japan a bit of china a bit of vietnam they don't care they want it it's theirs. it's clothes it's clothes that they look at it like very much it's like taking on and off clothes because once they're done with it that's it that's you know they're time off the ride it's time to go back be sensible 
time to ban all this nonsense of, you know, dancing around with feathers. It's fun time. It's over and stuff. But the people who are affected by having their cultures taken, it's reduced validity. It's like how many people walk around with an ohm symbol somewhere. And that's supposed to be sacred. You Mm -hmm. have people who have like Hindu deities tattooed on their legs. They're not supposed to do that. And they'll be eating a burger going, oh, lols. Yeah, these Hindus, they're stupid, but I like their Ganesh stuff. So I'm going to hijack it. Or when they go, oh, well, I'm being persecuted as a pagan person. It's the same as being persecuted as a black person and so on and so forth, which is a false equivalency because mm-hmm. I'm black and pagan. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've, I've seen nonsense happen on both ends. And not only that, but I could assume that, oh, she practiced voodoo and hoodoo, which I don't practice. I know a lot of folks who do practice it. Mm-hmm. And I understand it's part of my culture, but I don't practice it. It's not fair because a white person doesn't get automatically assumed, oh, you practice Celtic mm-hmm. tribe. You automatically mm-hmm. practice Greco-Roman. It's not yeah. fair. They, the white person gets to move through all these spaces as freely as they want it, like water. And if somebody tells them no or you're being really mean, you know, they throw a two-year-old tantrum. They throw a tantrum like a toddler. But if a black person wants to be into Celtic deities, want to work with Celtic deities or things, all of a sudden it's don't be part of our circle. Don't be part of our spaces. You know, why are you really here? It's not, they can't move around and stuff. Like, why don't you go into voodoo? Why aren't you, why aren't you a stereotype? Mm-hmm. I want you to be a stereotype. Mm-hmm. Even when I'm in pagan spaces and stuff, I have folks who literally talk to me as if they've never seen a book before and stuff. Like, they just do the, ayo, hey, what's up? And here's the thing. I'm from the inner city. That's very disrespectful. And it's just that if you're not from that background, you shouldn't talk like somebody from that background, especially given anybody from the background of the inner city. If they're talking like that, it's part of the because of systemic backgrounds in education and stuff. Like if I kept you away from books and proper education for a long time, you probably will come out with a better with a janked up version of English as well. That's not something to laud. That's if anything, it's almost like making fun of a person who has a tick because they have a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah, your tick is funny and stuff it's like well yeah i have a brain tumor so i guess you might think it's funny that i'm really horribly affected and not only that but all worse off is like well you're the person who gave me the brain tumor it's really a lot of pagans it's like it's very interesting how they like to put their blinders on when it comes to cultural ideas and identities because they're just kind of acting like everybody else it's like they're going I want this. This is mine. I'm going to take it. And anybody who tells me no, I'm just going to barrel them down for it because this is me. This is what I want. Me, 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 me. I've had even when on Black Witch, when I have white uh, readers come through and they're like, oh, yeah, as a white person, I think this is wrong. And I'm like, well, why are you telling me? Tell other white pagans this. And some of them get upset and they're going, oh, well, it's just I'm an ally. No, you're not. I don't assume you're an ally Mm. until you actually do something Actually, that proves it because it's amazing, especially nowadays where you'll have folks like, I'm an ally, but only in name alone. Mm-hmm. And because they're going, oh, well, I voted for Bernie Sanders and that's it. And it's like, no, first of all, he was kind of a jerk to anybody who wasn't white. Number mm-hmm. one. Number two, you're still a, you're just by having, you know, oh, you have a Kendrick Lamar CD. That doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And it's just that that's kind of how it works. Even when I have white readers and stuff, I am not always the softest with them because my space is for black pagans only. I'm not going to magically start catering to a white pagan because, mm-hmm. oh, hey, they're here. It's for black pagans. If they don't like it or if they don't understand it, then that's what Pagan Soccer Mom is for. They already have tons of websites. Is that a, is that a, is Pagan Soccer Mom a real thing? It is. Actually. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for sharing all of that. And 
you know, obviously Melody and I as two, two white folks um, know we are need to be accountable for, for all the ways that we fuck up doing the, some of the some of the things that you, that you noted. And also we've talked a lot on the show about uh, about yoga and cultural appropriation yeah. because um, similar yeah, a big it's very disrespectful honestly when I see it because it's like you see white faces and it's like why can't it yeah. be the actual culture that actually celebrates and practices and does it correctly right now yoga is just almost it's just very stereotyped it's like something middle class people do yeah. even to the point that even um, one friend I grew up with who actually is Hindu actually is family is from India they do yoga and all the white people started cooling over them like wow like as if they were a barbarian just learning how to drink tea mm. you know and i'm sitting here it's like this is your culture man right like, was, right like they're the ones who are they're the visitors but they're treating yeah. it as if they're the owners and i'm right. going that's really disrespectful yeah sure. and i actually i just have a follow-up question for you about that because okay. going back to the you know the benefits of paganism or you know the benefits the mental health benefits of yoga I guess it's like, what is the answer besides, you know, obviously educating yourselves, but right. So like, how do, how do, I mean, it's a question for me and Rachel and I ask this of ourselves all the time. It's like, okay, well, we're, if we go to a yoga class and we are interested in not participating in that cultural appropriation, is that even a possibility given the Honestly, white supremacist? the only way you can just do that is just to literally not go to a yoga class that's being taught by white folks. Money's going to white folks and everything white folks, you know, there you and go. There you go. there's that. I mean, or you can just get a stretching app on your phone and just learn regular stretches that like footballers and martial artists and everybody else <laughs> use. Yeah. Like, cause I don't use yoga at all. I just simply do regular stretches mm-hmm. and stuff. They do the same thing, but also mm-hmm. it doesn't come with the Orientalist. Oh, it's much better that Eastern people, their mysterious spiritual ways. It's like, it's stretching, which is healthy for you. You can just simply do it that way. But yeah, the only way you can really do this, but if you want to engage in yoga, is to literally just, if the teacher's white, don't go. If the money's mm-hmm. going to white folks, don't go. If the places white owned, don't go and don't and so forth. So if you want to do all that, you might as well just download a free app on your phone that teaches you how to stretch properly. And you're done. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's some real talk for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, appreciate and that's, that. I think, yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, it's it's also, it's kind of like the idea of like reparations, like where, where is, how are you giving back to the community that you're stealing from and and what does it mean if the money is only going to white people i think that's yeah, because a lot of it is just that like i remember when i was researching like the history of like how new age fields came out and spiritualism because i'm fortunately being pagan you're going to get constantly lumped with the new agey people whether you like mm-hmm. it or not mm-hmm. and but what i really just noticed it was like it's just a bunch of orientalism it's just a mm-hmm. bunch of orientalist like yellow slash yellow scare slash fetishism of a different culture exoticism and it's very disrespectful because even i've dealt with folks who are like oh well if you had a voodoo preacher voodoo practitioner who was white would you go to one i was like no they're not black they don't Mm -hmm. know what it's like to be black they don't know the black experience they don't know where any of this stuff comes from especially if they have no black friends no black identities and the only thing they joke about are stereotypical black things that they sit here and go, oh yeah, they have racist memes or they sit here and think that they can say the N word or, you know, they can make police killing jokes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, a lot of them do, especially white pigs. It's like, ah, you said you're an ally, but I can see who you're an ally really to. I'm like, because you're not part of my culture. 
if I'm going to come to somebody who's in the Vudun, I'm going to talk to somebody who is actually in the historical heritage practice of it. So I don't have to sit there and they don't have to read a bunch of books and read like Tim Wise or whatever crackpot out there who just <laughs> wants to make money off of black suffering. Mm-hmm. And stuff. Somebody who actually understands why the history of Vudun came about or why Santeria happened because those were born mm-hmm. from slavery mm-hmm. and also being oppressed and having your own spiritualities forced out of you. And you had to make do with dealing with a bunch of psychotic homicidal killers who are forcing you to work on their land. Mm-hmm. And it's just that because they also go, oh, they weren't, you know, even though this was born out of slavery, it's beautiful. And it's like, no, 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 no. They were psychotic. Mm-hmm. They were homicidal kidnappers forcing you. Like if you put it in that perspective, they look exactly like that. They don't sound like economics. It sounds like, wow, it sounds like you were literally working for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. And that's basically what it was. Right. And it's just that when you are disconnected to it, that's difficult and stuff. No different than if somebody is going to be, wants to become Shinto, but they're not Japanese and stuff. As again, I would sit here and go, okay, what do you know about the culture? If all you've consumed is just, anime and Pocky, and now you want to be Shinto, that's disrespectful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I think about that a lot with my students who all, a lot of them are white and a lot of them like hip hop. And then the same, and then at the same time, they'll say things that are like unsupportive of simple movements like Black Lives Matter. It just drives me. Oh yeah, because me. they see hip hop as just, it's like the Arabian Nights, you know, it's a, fa- it's a di- off distant land where there is fast women, fast cars. It's basically the Arabian Nights, you know, mm-hmm. it's really just exotify- exotifying a world they don't know mm-hmm. and a world they don't want to get to know because if so, they're going to start feeling bad for themselves and they don't want to start mm-hmm. doing that. Now do mm-hmm. that. I mean, I don't mind. I remember interacting with folks who in academic uh, backgrounds and one was like, oh, I love Jay-Z. He's a wonderful colored person. And it's like, oh, dear. (laughs) It's like, wow, I got more back in the 1950s. But that's how they feel. Mm -hmm. They don't see Jay-Z as a human being. They see him as a jukebox that plays their favorite prejudice jungle music that pisses Mm -hmm. off their parents. Mm -hmm. Same and but they know every time a black person go, hey, you're racist. They're going, no, I listen to Jay Z, and it's like, oh wow, tokenization. You're right. That totally disproved everything. You totally disproved being a racist by being a racist. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The the compartmentalization that's like required to listen to the lyrics of expressing. I mean, not you know, depending on what rapper it is, but um, mm-hmm. you know, expressing black oppression and then to not be able to let yourself be implicated in that is is very well, there's very, a lot of cognitive dissonance there it's mm. interesting because i'm squarely within rock but because growing up in baltimore city of course i'm familiar with hip-hop and it's just that but hearing it all the way it's like i remember like rock is a black created genre started mm-hmm. with sister Rosetta thorpe and frank Lyman and teenagers but if you're a black kid into rock you know they sit here and it's like well why don't you like hip-hop and stuff why don't you be that walking stereotype and stuff, but if you're in the hip hop, nobody blinks twice, and it's like right. that's very disrespectful, and it's, and it's really, really unusual. Even in regardless of what rapper it is, regardless if they are conscientious or not so conscientious, right. they still have it as that's jungle music. You know, we mm-hmm. don't we don't listen to them; we just like their beats mm-hmm. and stuff. But if Green Day says something, or U two says something, mm-hmm. or you know Lennon says something, John Lennon says something. Oh, we gotta listen even mm. though they're not exactly very good people or their stuff is consistently rehashed. 
Yeah. It's amazing how they kind of want oppression to kind of be, they like, it's just, I mean, it, I remember when I've seen on Tumblr where there's like black folks, we make oppression even look good that they want to be oppressed themselves mm. because I mean, it happened with Occupy Wall Street where they were going, oh, we're the 99%. Come to find out they really weren't worrying about the 99%. They were just worrying about being white and the fact that they were going to get the same treatment that they had others had done to them who were in lower standards. As in their eyes. And it was like, oh, okay, so you really didn't care until this affected you primarily. But I even noticed, even with the green movement, especially because when I was definitely coming up in paganism, there was the green environmentalism movement, which Whole Foods can definitely say, hey, we make so much money off of that Whole Foods mm-hmm. Trader Joe's. And all these mm-hmm. other places where there's like, be green by spending all this money. Mm-hmm. None of that was hitting the inner cities. None, it was like, right. If they were really caring about environmentalism, they would have made sure that it would it would hit every socioeconomics rung, not the top ones and stuff, because there's food deserts in the hood. You know, you hear about folks who can make solar panels and have the solar turn into water, which is fantastic. That's an awesome invention. But they're mum about Flint. And Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. they're sitting here going, well, we'll put panels in different parts of the world, but United States, that's a pass. See their politics pretty, pretty obvious and pretty clear. Even when they're going, oh, I'm a white ally. It's like, it's a ruse. And you kind of, especially now with how policy and how race is going nowadays, it's almost safe for a black person to just, every white person who has just goes, I'm an ally to go, you're probably faking until you're not. Mm-hmm. because it's in, instead of just going, well, let's put my faith in you. We already did. That's how Trump got elected. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, and yeah. it's just that you can see the politics, especially when white liberals around that time, they're going, well, when we get the, you know, why don't we get the neo-Nazis a chance? They were given mm-hmm. a chance back in the 1930s and 1940s. Right. <laughs> right. over. Right. Yeah. We, absolutely. And the one thing I remember arguing, I was like, we gave them a chance in the 1930s and the 40s and we bombed them as a result. So, Chance over. They're now going from, you know, having uh, people being gassed for having disabilities or being Jewish or being black to just mowing folks over with a Dodge Charger. It's mm-hmm. really, you know, it's interesting when you just sat here and it's like, wow, and these are the white liberals talking. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like sounding like the PR unit for white conservatives mm-hmm. because it's, very, it's it really kind of not does not give you fuzzy feelings. It just sits you go, makes you go. Can I really trust you? Obviously, or most likely not. Yeah, there's, I mean, a whole bunch of white liberals have not demonstrated a reason for to be trusted. Um, that is, that's legit. And thank you for say, for sharing all that and, and those reflections. Mel, any other questions before we ask Black Witch where our listeners should find her? No, this was just an amazing conversation. And thank you so much. And a lot of the stuff that you talked about Rachel and I talk about a lot on the podcast. We just really enjoy talking with people about these things. So thank you for your time. So so where else? I know we've mentioned it a couple of times, but do you want to just run through your sort of social media platforms and anywhere else that folks should keep an eye out for you and follow you? Yep. Um, my website is thisblackwitch.wordpress.com. It's also can be reached at thisblackwitch.com. I'm this black witch everywhere. Like on Twitter, <laughs> this black witch, Tumblr, this black witch. I also have a Facebook fan page where I do do live streams once in a blue moon. Cool. And also there is those three things. And I believe that I have so far for just black witch stuff. But also, it's easy to access me like every in any of those places. One thing I always try to make sure is that if somebody asks a question, then I'm pretty quick about answering it. 
Great. Well, thank you again so much. By the way, do you do you do talk like live like public talks at schools and stuff? I'm open to do those, but I have not gotten any requests so far. If anybody wants to bring Black Witch to campus uh, and and get some of that those university dollars per way, that'd be that'd be awesome because universities were also built on built on the backs of people of color, as we know. So um, black people in particular. So their way to to pay to pay it back. Don't you fuck with my energy, 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 don't you fuck with my energy,